Welcome to another episode of Follow the Brand. I am your host, Grant McGaw, CEO of Five Star BDM, a five-star personal branding and business development company. I want to take you on a journey that takes another deep dive into the world of personal branding and business development using compelling personal story, business conversations, and tips to improve your personal brand. By listening to the Follow the Brand podcast series, you will be able to differentiate yourself from the competition and allow you to build trust with prospective clients and employers. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Make it one that will set you apart, build trust, and reflect who you are. Developing your five-star personal brand is a great way to demonstrate your skills and knowledge. If you have any questions for me or my guests, please email me at grant.magaw, spelled M-C-G-A-U-G-H, at 5star BDM, B for brand, D for development, M for masters.com. Now let's begin with our next five-star episode on Follow the Brand. Welcome to the Follow the Brand podcast, where we help you to build a five-star brand that people will follow. I am your host, Grant McGall, CEO of 5star BDM. And today we have the privilege of hosting a truly exceptional individual, Dr. Keith A. Kunskale, a master of operational excellence and strategic performing. Dr. Kunskale is not just a leader, he's a visionary who's reshaping the landscape of industry and management with his innovative approaches and transformative thinking. With a career that spans over three decades, Dr. Clean Scales has woven a rich tapestry of experiences, starting from the engineering halls of Boston University to the high-stakes boardrooms of global consulting firms. His journey is one of the relentless pursuit of excellence, marked by his tenure at PRTM Consulting, now part of PWC, and PA Consulting, where he honed his skills and carved out a niche as a leading figure and strategic performance management. But what truly sets Dr. Clint Scales apart is his unique blend of expertise. As a lean Six Sigma black belt, he combines the precision of engineering with the acumen of strategic management. His efforts in executive coaching, process improvement, and strategic planning are not just about enhancing efficiency, but they're about transforming organizations at their core. Currently, as the Director of Strategic Planning and Performance Management for Palm Beach County, Dr. Clay Scales oversees the strategic direction of over 30 county departments. His role is pivotal in shaping long-term goals and actionable strategies, a testament to his ability to translate complex concepts into impactful real-world application. But beyond the boardroom, Dr. Clint Scales is a beacon in the community, a founder of the National Society of Black Engineers Professionals and a life member of Kappa Alpha Psi. He embodies the spirit of leadership that transcends professional boundaries, inspiring the next generation of leaders. So sit back and get ready to be inspired as we explore the journey, insights, 
insights and wisdom of a man who's not just following the brand, but who's created a legacy that will guide many for years to come. So let's get started with Dr. Keith Prentscale on the Follow Brand Podcast, where we are building a five-star brand that you can follow. It is my distinct privilege to introduce someone whose incredible journey has transformed and elevated the strategic landscape of Palm Beach County. A visionary in performance management, a change maker in business and cultural transformation, and a pioneer in utilizing data to drive growth and engagement. Dr. Keith Klinkscale embodies the future of strategic planning and development. As the Director of Strategic Planning and Performance Management for Palm Beach County, his work has not only set the standard, but has also reshaped how we envision progress and transformation. Please join me in welcoming the dynamic and inspiring Dr. Keith Klinkscales to the mic. Wow, wow, wow. I'm trying to figure out who you're describing. <laughs> That's all you. Where, that is where, all you. Where is this person? <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. I appreciate oh, that. No, give us some background. Give us some context. Yeah, yeah. Around your story. And yeah. what, what is making you tick today, Dr. Well, B? You know, it, it's interesting because I, I, I have to look back to me, me in Youngstown, Ohio, um, graduating from high school and trying to figure out where I'm going to go to college. And... Um, I ended up getting a letter from Boston University, and they said, we want you to come. I mean, it just came out of the blue because I had almost decided to go to a a local college in in Ohio. And I tell you, I mean, I came from, I had seven siblings, you know, and my father was a a serviceman, but he died when I was two. And my brother and I are the only two that sort of made it out of of, of Youngstown to go to college. but when I got the scholarship from Boston University, I had never really been out of the state. Uh, I had I, I had I've been in New York um, to visit my grandmother, but for the most part, I didn't know anything about Boston, Massachusetts, bro. And I literally, my sister helped me pack everything I own in a in my father's army trunk. And I never forget going down to the Greyhound bus station. And hopping on the bus to go from Ohio to Massachusetts, Boston, Massachusetts. And and I'm like 17, 18 years old. And one thing that was in my head is I'm not going back the same way I left. I'm going back as an engineer. And so I said, whatever I have to do to survive in Boston, Massachusetts, I got to do it. And I never forget my freshman year chemistry. Freshman year chemistry and engineering is a huge auditorium with all the freshmen because everybody has to take him 101. And I never forget um, the professor said, look to your left, look to the right. One of you is not going to be here next semester. Not next year, not next two years, but next semester. And I, it kind of scared me into my vision, I said, that's not going to be me. So, okay, you know, that was my, that was the beginning of my journey, man. Um, engineering school at Boston University. Oh, I tell you, that's strategic vision at, at, at work. It takes a lot 
to get on that Greyhound bus going to an unknown world. Now, I lived in New Hampshire in the 90s, and I understand the Boston Boston culture. You almost heard the accent come out a little bit. It's a different world. It's a different world. You know, you're not from Roxbury, you're not from Mattapan, you're not from some of these other areas. You don't know what's going on. And you're like, okay, a youngstown Ohio might not play here, but you you doubled down. down. And look, you graduated. I did, man. Tell us that story. How did you go from that classroom to now where you're at in Palm Beach County? So um when I, you know, it's it's interesting because when when I graduated. I got recruited by a computer engineering company. It was um, back in the day, it was called Digital Equipment Corporation. And digital was like next to IBM. It was, it was like IBM's arch rival. And uh, I never forget, I got recruited at the headquarters in Maynard, Massachusetts. So now I'm an engineer. And I'm like, okay, so what kind of engineering? I was I hired into an, in a quality engineering role. Now, if you know anything about quality engineering, it deals with process improvement, process statistics, statistical process control, inspections, um, doing everything right. And so that's sort of, you know, I spent eight years at digital learning how companies should perform, how manufacturing should work, how sales should work, how oper- continuous process improvement should work. And before you know it, I mean, there was a lot of blessing in my life, man, because I remember being tapped on the shoulder. I got a, I got a uh, call from a management consultant for, um, company, and they said, we want you to come work for us and help do exactly what you're doing, but for multiple companies across the United States. And so that's how I got into operational excellence and manufact, um, uh, operational excellence management consulting. And then it's like, okay, so now I start now I'm working with CEOs and, and C boards on their vision, their mission. What are their goals? Uh, how do you transform the workplace? How do you motivate the workplace? Um, how do you you fix broken processes, inventory problems? So I'm developing this sort of repertoire of 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 a toolkit on, and I use my engineering degree, and I I, I sort of figured this out later. It's like my engineering degree basically trained me to solve problems. Right. So, because it's all analytical, it's like you yeah. walk into a situation. And I'm already thinking about how this can be done differently or done better. So, fast forward, I go into management consulting. Now I'm traveling all over the world, helping multi, multi Fortune 500 companies improve their processes. You name it. And uh, I did that for about 12 years, management consulting. And um, I never forget, I was on the plane headed to North Carolina for a client. When 1911 hit, yeah, the World Trade Center, yeah, and I remember because they shut down all the planes, and I had to we had to drive back in North Carolina all the way to Boston. But I say that because my whole world changed. Management consulting and flying the clients and that whole industry tanked. Wow! And so the firm that I was working for gave me an ultimatum. They said, "Hey." We're giving out packages. And I was like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take a seven-inch package and then leave Florida, I mean, leave uh, Massachusetts. But, man, after, you know, you know, after going back and forth, back and forth and realizing, listen, I can't keep up with this house. I can't, you know, I, we, my, my wife and I said, you know what, let's take the package and move to Florida. Okay. And so, and because 
we were visiting because her, her, all her, all of my my families in uh, my wife's family's in New Jersey. So they had all been moving down here, and we were visiting with the kids, going to Disney and all that. So we were really familiar with Florida as, from a vacation standpoint. And everybody kept saying, it's just a matter of time, just a matter of time. And Grant, before you know it, 2004, we got on an auto train. We made an adventure of it, and we started a whole new life here in Florida, Palm Beach County. That's Man, I'm so glad you were here. <laughs> Uh, and that's a great story because I, I said I, I can identify with the Northeast. And when you said deck, I'm like, wow, she knows about deck. Oh my God. Because their office you know was not too far away from where I live. The fact that you called it deck, <laughs> not, I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, deck, you know, right now, well, one of my best, uh, actually, my first cousin worked for deck. Uh, when he went to DeVry Institute of Technology, and he got recruited to work for them. He used to come out there, and he would see me when I was when I was living out there. So I I do know a lot about that. I love the engineering background. I love the strategic vision because you brought that same you know, frame of thought to how a city operates, mm-hmm. and you've been doing that now for Palm Beach County, and you're like, all right, strategic vision. This is how we're going to get things done. We're going to move as a well-oiled machine. Talk to us what you're doing now at Palm Beach County. Well, it's funny, um, you know, through a, a series of uh, start and stop, start and stops. Man, I tell you, I went from an associate partner at a management consulting firm to $11 an hour security guard Whoa. here in Florida. Wow. You got to do what you got to do to make right, and that took me to a whole nut. I was like, God brought me all the way down to build me all the way back up, and so I started stop, starting stops, and then somehow you know I was working for a temporary agency, and they gave me a job at Palm Tran as a temp. But man, I tell you, I mean, passion will actually open the door for you. Okay, attitude will open the door for you, and. um so I eventually, there was a performance management, um, new performance management uh, director position at Palm Tran. And I'm sitting there as an attempt, I'm doing dispatch. And I, but you know, something about you tells you, you know, you were made for greatness and you, you, you have the background, you have the preparation. I tell my kids all the time, success is when opportunity meets preparation. Well, the opportunity came. And I was already prepared. So I went for it. And I got it. Yes. I mean, I, I, I actually beat out transit professionals for that job. Because I, I didn't know transit. But I knew performance. I knew what it took for, um, for an organization to have high performance. So I did that uh, at Palm Tram for two years, working under the, uh, the very, very... Um, charismatic leader, Clinton Forbes, at Palm Tran. And uh, it's interesting because we made such a mark on creating the Palm Tran STAT program, which is all about metrics and performance, that his boss, Virginia Baker, who is the assistant, who is the account administrator for, for Palm Beach County, said, I want that for the whole county. And then she created the same position for the whole county. And guess who went for that? 
This episode is brought to you by Five Star BDM. Five Star BDM is a professional consulting and advisory group keenly focused on business development services for small to mid-sized businesses and entrepreneurs. Although every business is unique, they often share challenges that can be addressed through smart branding. Services include process improvement and operations, digital strategy and transformation, business intelligence, digital marketing, and personal branding. Our five-star business and personal branding company has helped a number of professionals and organizations to optimize and grow. The result is more business, more opportunities, better reach, positive outcomes. Please visit www.5starbdm.com to learn more and view all the episodes of Follow the Brand. Of course. <laughs> of course, we already know. Yeah. So I interviewed for that. It was a brand new. I'm the very first director. I've been here uh, in April was will be six years. And I'm the director of strategic planning and performance management for all of county. So what I did for Palm Tran, which is one department in the county, now I do for like 35 departments. I, I see the vision, meaning I see the path forward that and and you framed us so eloquently. You were already trained. You were trained for the moment that you got on that that bus from Youngstown, Ohio, going out to Boston. You never went back. And then you 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 had to do what you had to do to graduate. And then you got into a very successful role that gave you a whole wealth of experiences. You know, to go worldwide to talk to different companies. I mean, and then to end up in Florida. Doing hourly work, you're like, whoa, what, why, 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 who was guiding this story? And then bam, it starts to make perfect sense. Yes, yes. And it, maybe it was a it was a character shift too, because to go from you know a six figure to down to eleven dollars an hour, and you got three kids and a wife, I'm putting on an ally Barton um security uniform. But I did everything with pride, man. You know, I did everything with tenacity and uh, I kept my head up. And, uh, you know, I I wrote a book, Your Attitude is Your Breakthrough. Because of that, your attitude, you know, I could have really, really gone down. You know, I could have really, really been, you know, uh, to a point where I couldn't pull myself. But I had to keep that attitude that, you know, anything is is possible. It's not over till God says it's over. Let's talk about transformational leadership, because yeah. that's what I, that's the story you just talked about. Now, you lead some things, cultural, business transformations. There, you do some coaching. I mean, you've got a story. Yeah. And I think people tune in your story. I think that's good. Talk to us about what's your vision? How do you see transformational leadership? And how does that help you in your current role? So transformational leadership, um, it's been a paradigm shift. Since I, I left private industry and came to public industry, something clicked, something changed, even in my thinking in terms of a transformational leader. Because when I was doing management consulting, it's all about profit. It's all about um, helping the company uh, increase their revenue and decrease their costs. 
And so when we went in as consultants, we tend to focus on process, their systems, and their technology. Those Most of my client projects had to do with process, systems, and technology. Fast forward to now coming over to the public sector. It's all about the residents. It's all about creating a, a life, making sure Palm Beach County is the, great, the greatest place to live, work, and play. It's all about um, making an impact on the housing and the homelessness and economic development and bringing companies here and people uh, feeling that they have a park to go to. And uh, it's a completely different mindset. But I've also realized that it's more than process and systems to be a transformational leader. It's about culture. So what I've had to learn in Palm Beach County and what I've been trying to do, I'm like one of the biggest cheerleaders because I'm trying to change the culture. I'm trying to get people to collaborate, to break down silos, to work together, to not be um, competitive with each other to the point where you're not supporting each other, to give those likes on Facebook, to give those likes on LinkedIn, to, you know, to not be haters of each other, but to be collaborators. Because one of the first things that I did when I got this job for the county, I had, um, I said, okay, now how in the world am I going to get all these departments? And then within the department, there's multiple divisions. And then you got forces the county administrators. You have a county administrator. You have seven commissioners. How do you get them all to play in what I call the orchestra? So I went and met with each department. And I did a SWOT analysis. I did a, I, I sat down and I said, tell me the strengths of the county. Tell me the weaknesses of the county. What do you think are the opportunities? And what do you think the threats that would make us, you know, keep us from being the greatest county in the United States? And I'll never forget, and that it caught me off guard because the number one weakness out of talking to all these departments is said, will keep me operating in silos. Oh, my God, we operate in silos. And if you think about it, I don't know about in private industry, they have to work together. But in 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 public industry, you can be great in um, engineering, you can be great in community service, great in youth services, great in risk management, great in purchasing and not talk to anybody. You know, you can be great in a county and not talk to anybody in the city. You know, we have 39 municipalities. That's a lot. Yeah. Which are separate from Palm Beach County. So how do you bridge the gap to make things happen? And how do you break down the silos? So that's the transformational leaders to me is one who has a, um, a they have a hand-on vision, mission, goals, objectives, and performance measures. Yes, that's the foundation. But they also have an environment where people thrive. Innovation comes out, ideas, critical thinking, people feeling valued. One of the things that I've come to feel when, when we had the pandemic, people are wondering, like, why we got the great, great resignation? Why we got people you know, saying they're not coming back? Why are people resigning? I said, you know what? It's not the great resignation. It's the great, I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to that. I'm going, to, I'm going back to being overworked, stressed out, not valued, you know? And so that's all culture, bro. That's all culture. So we've had to shift our mindset to say, you can, and, I, I, and it's, it's funny when I speak at these conferences, I say, you know what, yeah, 
we need to do process, we can do digital transformation, we can do all this kind of stuff. You can't do none of it if you have a toxic environment. True. <laughs> True. Everything you talked about, I like the inclusivity of it all. That you get everybody to see each other, actually visibly see each other, not just um, what we call uh, toxic knowledge. You know, you're just going through the motions. You're not really, you know, looking and seeing somebody three dimensionally, right? Two dimensionally. I want you to think about this for a second. Think about your mindset in Youngstown, Ohio. Think of how it changed when you got to Boston. It got also exponentially changed when you got into business. And then when you went through that trend, big transformation change, I mean, this big transformation change when your children get married, all was huge. But this was deeply personal coming out of Florida, thinking this is a new life, everything's going to be great. And then boom, you have a setback. And then you have this rise. You have a great rise. These are changes in how you see things. And these are cultural changes. So that when you come across individuals, and I've been in Palm Beach County, I live down here in Miami-Dade, kind of around the county line, Broward County, uh-huh. and I see young black men. And sometimes I see on their face, they're just not sure what they're going to do next. They're not real sure what the future may hold. They're not real sure how to get to that next level. They're not real sure how do I handle these kinds of Pressure, survival, and how do I move it forward? Help us understand what you were thinking and what you needed to do to get that path forward. Wow, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, It's it's interesting because I see people differently. I Mm. see people differently. When I see um, a young man who just has a high school education and is struggling financially and and, before, when I was, you know, in corporate and making all this money, um, I was isolated. But when I came to Florida and taken down to the part where I'm working as in a security guard, $11 an hour, or in dispatch, most of these folks all have high school educations. And they're just, they're trying to make bills. They're trying to pay their bills. And they're trying to um, um, just make it. And I realized that uh, everybody has a different path, but everybody has value. And, and, and the same one who has a GED and the same one who has a PhD still have character and still have value and still want to take care of the kids. And they want to be good fathers and they want to be good mothers. Um, so I see um, I have a different level of empathy and compassion for people. You know, I remember having to go to the soup line, you know, I mean, the soup, uh, what they call, um, and, and get groceries when I, w- when I was here in Florida. Um, so, and, and, you know, had, had I not had that transformation, had come all the way down, I would have, I would have, uh, sort of discredited that whole, that, you know, that I would, I would not have been as sensitive and empathetic to the entire Palm Beach County. Because Palm Beach County is extremely rich and it's extremely poor. They say, you know, we you can go from GED to a PhD uh, in, in one in, in, in one day in terms of meeting someone, you know. So um, 
I think that journey, and then coming from Youngstown Ohio, where we didn't have much, um, it I've learned that every person can be motivated, inspired, wherever they at. I mean, wherever, wherever, they, wherever they at, they can make a difference. And I tell you know, I, I, everybody I run into, I mentor a lot of young young men, and I listen. You cannot control what's coming at you. You cannot control what life throws at you, but you can control how you respond to it. Sorry about that. You can control how your attitude and you respond to any situation. Hundred percent. I mean, and that's what it is. It, it takes that because it takes a lot of energy. It takes uh, a lot of ingenuity. It takes a lot of resilience just to be broke. That's true. <laughs> that's true, bro. <laughs> just to be broke. So, so, you know what? If you can take that kind of survivability, that kind of moxie, that kind of grit, and then we can then repurpose that. And you do a lot when it comes to goal setting, benchmarking. You need to do a lot of data metrics, data all these types of things. I don't think a lot of people realize that you have core competency. Everybody has that. But we've got to understand where you shine, your skill set. Utilizing these kinds of metrics, talk to us about performance metrics and performance and culture. Help us understand that. Yeah. Well, you know, if I, so I have this uh, little mantra that I, I, when I go to meet with all the different departments or do a, uh, a, a, a workshop with, I tell them, listen, if you want to lose weight, you have to be willing to get on the scale. You'd be surprised at how many people just don't want to know. They avoid what the data says. But just think about it. You want to lose weight. So you're 275. You want to get to 225. But you will not get on a scale because it's going to depress you. It's like, no, that's your baseline. You got to be willing to get on that scale. You got to be willing to look at yourself and then say, okay, I'm 275. Bam, let's let's go. Next month, I'm 260. Next month, I'm 255. And it's the same with performance measures. So I went around to all the departments and said, how do you know you're performing? How do you know whether or not you're performing good or bad? And besides, you know, besides the commissioner call, you don't want to wait for that. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, you sort of get, you know, some some people, you know, jokingly said, well, if the commissioner's not calling, I'm good. Yeah. No. So we want to be proactive and preventive in our measuring. It's like, okay, now, so we have to put measures in place, but you have to be willing to get on a scale. The other thing is you have to be willing to get feedback from the customer. Because I noticed when I put in performance measures, it's like, okay, I got some of them to put in performance measures. But then I said, well, wait, 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 wait. There's nothing that tells me that the people that you're serving are happy with how you're serving them. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's really getting, like I said, it's cultural. It's getting them, you know, it's not just about measures. It's about measures that are actually effective and are real. If you have never done an employee or a customer satisfaction survey, 
then you are operating in the dark. I tell folks all the time, it's just like you going to the doctor and you telling them your shoulder hurts and he fixes your toe. Right. Now you walk out, your toe is fixed, but you still got a shoulder problem. If you are doing something for the residents or you're doing something for the customer, I mean, your customers, and you're not fixing what they see as their problem, they're walking out with a sore shoulder and you fix their toe. So performance, they have to be relevant to the actual person you're providing the service to. I, I can see you are a great, you know, you, you do some executive coaching. That, that, that comes through and how you speak to people. I love the analogies because you have to get a, a visual on, on where you're at now. I call it the current state. What is your current state? Yes. And not only the current state of how you see it, but the current state of what you said so importantly, who do you serve? What is their current state? What is your current state? And what is the gap in between there yeah. And then how do we deal with that? Yes. You know, uh, yes. and it, that avoidance, man, my goodness. You know, today, I'm just thinking today, I need a new scale. I think my <laughs> scale is broke. <laughs> you see that? You see that? <laughs> yeah. My scale is broke. He keeps saying the same thing over and over. He keeps saying the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm but, he, we got a few minutes here. I want you to talk, real talk to, to my audience. We've got an audience here of professionals, of yeah. audience of early careers. They're all throughout senior careers. People that are in the C-suite, as you said, from GED to a PhD. And we all within our, our, our ourselves, our family, our community, our culture, especially today's world in 2023. We're all seeking some kind of understanding, some kind of purpose, something that makes sense to move us forward. I just want you to talk directly to our client, and I'm going to call our client your own kid. Mm -hmm. You had to say something to your child right now. They said, Dad, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, making a career move or doing something in my life. What kind of advice would you give? Right, right. This is good. This is this 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 is good because I, I had an epiphany about this uh, when my son came to me and told me he was dropping out of engineering school. No, you know, because I bragged about him for the first two or three years. Like, yeah, my son is following in my footsteps. He's gonna be an engineer like me. Boom, boom, boom. But what I I would say to everyone that is listening and my kids, a few years ago, a couple of dec a decade ago or so. A guy named Rick Warren came out with a book called The Purpose Driven Life. And it went viral. The Purpose Driven Life. The Purpose of You got to find your purpose. You got to find your purpose. You got to find your purpose. Purpose will be everything. I want to actually change that up. You have to find a passion driven life. What are you passionate about? What really, really sort of floats your boat? makes you happy, makes you operate in it naturally as a get like like God just gave you the gift and you just passionate about it. It just exudes from you. You just you find joy in it. I tell people uh, all the employees when I when, when I said 
we need to make your work like Disney World. Like when you go to work, it feels like Disney World. What would it take to do that? Because here's the thing. Most of us will work anywhere from 40 to 60, 80 hours a week, right? If you don't enjoy that, if you don't have passion, you've pretty much given that part of your life away. And, and when, I, when, I, when I say this to the departments, people in the, in the audience say, yeah, yeah. I say, how many of you guys live for five o'clock or you live for the weekend or you live for vacation? That means all the other time, you're just okay with giving. It's like, you, you think that that's just, it's just natural for me to be miserable at work. It's, it, it pays my bills. No, you have to find what drives you. What is the passion? When you have the passion, all of your gifts will make room for you. It will just, you will just begin to, when you walk in a room, it will change that environment. When you walk in work, when you walk, in, walk into a meeting, because they'll be like, oh my God, there's something, you know, there's something different there. And so that's what you want. And so if your job is not giving you that. And so when my son came to me, he said, Dad, I, I just, he said, he said, I just don't have the passion. I don't have a passion to be an engineer. And, but he loves, see, I, you know, I had him studying mechanical engineering. Yeah. But see, part of it is my fault because while he was in finishing high school, I got him a job at Jiffy Lube. Then he went to Tires Plus. And now, then he, now he's at Toyota. And his passion is actually hands-on fixing engines, fixing cars. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Analyzing and saying, well, why in the world? He came on and said, why in the world did they make it this way? You know, this is hard to, this is hard to maintain. It looks great, but if you got to dig deep in order to, to get something to fix it. So he's thinking like an engineer, yeah. but he's, you know, so that's what I would say, Grant. It's like everybody on here, find your passion. And hopefully your passion will make money for you. But if it doesn't, you got to figure a way to, okay, make the money, but you definitely need a huge hobby or a huge, uh, like I can tell podcasting is your passion. <laughs> I mean, you, it's funny because you have all these credentials and everything and you're turning it, you, you know, and, and, and that's on you. That's on your shelf. You got, you could probably do just about five or six other things. But one of the things that you have passion is pulling out what you're doing today. It's pulling out me doing all this talking. <laughs> me, me sort of, um, you're pulling out all of the essence of me. And I, and I see that in your podcast and because that's your passion. And you do it well. Well, thank you, Jay. Hey, Dr. Key. Man, that, that's beautiful. And as I said, we always have guidelines. I always have guidelines on the show. But as we go through things, it starts to reveal itself. Every podcast is different. Every podcast is unique. Every guest is unique. My job is to showcase that and to make sure that an audience has an opportunity to take that knowledge, that wisdom, and information and do something with it. We're not just doing it just to do it. We're doing it for a purpose. You are fulfilling that purpose. The audience needs to get in touch with you. What's the best possible way? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I answer every text and every time somebody contacts me on my cell phone. The best time, I actually stop using business cards. I say, find me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Find me on LinkedIn. Because I share 
if somebody looked at like five or six, maybe 10 of my posts, they would be able to tell my character. They would be able to tell what, what passion I have. Um, and when I coach my mentees, I'm like, listen, I don't even see you on LinkedIn. You're doing a great job working with boys and uh, little, little kids and, and teaching them how to read it all that stuff, but you're not showcasing it. Right. So then nobody can pull on you to come and do a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> you got to be visible. A hundred percent. This is a different world. You can't just do it just in the physical realm. You have to have digital presence because you have greater reach. Yeah, and it's it's all about branding, right? You know, you have to brand yourself. It's like okay, when when somebody thinks of Keith, I want them to think like you did. I mean, we we met very for the first time, and you already you're like, oh, this is the guy you introduced me. Like this is the guy that does strategic planning and performance measures, and I'm like, how does he know me so well? <laughs> from LinkedIn because we we connected to LinkedIn. We had email. We we're going back and forth, and as you stated, we're having conversation, right? And it's not the same as being in, in close proximity as far as physicalness, but you can get a great feel for someone, just like you talk to somebody on the phone. So we, we go back and forth. So by the, by the time we come together, we we stopped all of the normal, you know, step one, two, three. We already at step seven, eight, nine. Already, already. When I when I walked into that the function and you were there, I'm like, I feel like I know this guy. It's the first time I saw you, but I'm like, oh, I, I got a kindred spirit with him. Already, hundred percent, and it wasn't the first time. We like said you meet people. There's an essence that you leave every time you interact with anybody at, on any platform. It's just there. There are certain degrees of that. This right. has been a, a, a three sixty degree now turnaround with me and you. I learned so much. This has been wonderful. I encourage your entire audience to tune into all the episodes of Follow Brand and Five Star BDM. That is B for Brand. E for development, informasters.com. This has been wonderful. Thank you for being on the show.